Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another week of the Two Guys on Politics podcast with uh, me, Brian Broken. Uh, welcome, my fellow Americans. This is Bill Lipinski with our news, views, and comments. And I'm Ray Hanania. And uh, um, we got our topic today. Uh, we're looking at both. We're going to try to be fair. We're going to look at both criticize the failings of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden, the former president and the current president. And uh, maybe to start us off, Bill, well, first of uh, all, you give like us an to, overview. First of all, I would like to say I am really extremely disappointed in what our former president has had to say and what our present president had said. They sound like they're 10, 11 years old calling each other in their party you know, by very, very bad names. Uh, it is disgusting to me that we don't have a higher caliber of individual as president of the United States or as the former president of the United States. And I was afraid to say, but Joe Biden, this mild-mannered man who campaigned as a moderate, who was gonna bring us together, really started the latest rounds by calling Trump and his supporters, you know, almost fascist. So naturally, within a couple of days, we had Republicans calling Democrats socialists and communists. And things have deteriorated since that particular time. Uh, so that's what I want to talk about. I want to make people aware of how bad these two individuals are. But you're a young person, Brian. You probably have scuffled with uh, your brother. Um, and then had your parents come down on you. Well, what do you think of that? Um, well, I, I do agree they they are acting a little a little childish here. Um, it to me, it's almost more a a you know reflection on how the parties are structured and how American politics is structured now, and how engagement works throughout throughout the media landscape now. That you know. You, you could blame Trump or you could blame Biden. But as you said, Biden was this, quote, mild-mannered guy. And he got into office and then suddenly wasn't. So the, the question there is, for me, is it Joe Biden really wasn't a mild-mannered guy? Or is he just in a scenario now where he can't be or he generally isn't? Whoever would be in that spot would be this way. And that's kind of the argument I want to make is, you know, I think we're – in a place in modern politics where the Republicans don't have a clear objective. Their objective is simply to not do what the Democrats want, right? Like this, you could even look at back to like the nineties and how, you know, the Republican wave in what, 94, um, 92. So, I mean, then it was really just an objection to, uh, you know, President Clinton. And then it's continued on Obama, there was the huge red wave against Obama's Obamacare. I mean, all they campaigned on basically was let's not have Obamacare, not any replacement, anything else. That was always the major criticism of Trump getting rid of health care uh, and Obamacare was there's no replacement. There's no otherwise. So I think that's the problem where Trump comes in, which is Trump is able to act like a child because there's nothing to guide Republicans. There's no goal. There's no nothing. It's just not Democrats. So then we get into this landscape where on the other side, the mild-mannered Joe Biden just constantly gets attacked and attacked and attacked. 
And the only way to fight this in his scenario is not to put out policy because he could put out policy and people aren't going to care. He needs to go out and fight. He needs to fight because that's what people want on the very far side of the Democratic Party. So this is how I think we got in that scenario. And it's more of a, to me, a structure of how the two parties are set up and what the dynamics of the parties are rather than the two individuals. Well, no, I disagree with that because it was started by Newt Gingrich uh, back in 1993-94, as Ray has mentioned in a column that he wrote very recently. Uh, But it didn't grow to the presidential level, really until Barack Obama made the statement about these people clinging to their Bibles and their guns. And then, of course, Hillary Clinton came along and talked about the deplorables. Uh, And now it has escalated to where Joe Biden and Donald Trump, they are down in the mud, throwing mud balls at each other. I mean, how can we expect to be the leader of the free world when we got such derogatory, negative people supposedly leading our two great parties? Yeah, I I like, uh, Bill, when you point out that when you uh, compare Trump and Biden to little kids who are screaming and fighting, because that really tells us what the real problem is, that both of them aren't mature enough, one, to be leader. But worse is that these are kids. Where are their parents? And who are the parents? The Republican Party, the Democratic Party. Where are they? Where are the reasoned leaders of the Democratic Party? Uh, to tell Biden to what kind of stupid speech did you just make attacking uh, people for not being American or for being extremism, extremists. And Donald Trump, where from the Republican side, what kind of dumb things are you saying, you know, about the other side? You know, nobody is telling these two kids, these two, you know, uh, little children that they need to get their act together. So it's like any child, right? If they don't have parental control, any guidance from a mature adult, I, I don't see any mature adults in American national politics. And that I, is a huge problem. I have to point out what Brian said. Uh, the Republicans are for nothing that I know of. They are simply against, against. Okay, the Democrats got a zillion different programs that they're rolling out which is costing $10 zillion, okay? But we don't really know how effective those programs are going to be. And if he he can't really explain to us exactly what they all do, uh, because I don't think his base wants an explanation. I think his base just wants him to attack, attack, attack. So, you know, the fact that the Republicans are simply against uh, the Democrats want to spend money. And another point I want to bring up, the Democrats are always talking about uh, Trump you know, being a dictator. Well, Joe Biden has passed, I shouldn't say passed, he signed eight executive orders, okay? Making that the law of the land without any kind of congressional input because he couldn't get it passed to Congress. Now, all you have to do is take those things to court and a judge will rule them unconstitutional, ineffective. But where are the Republicans to do that? They don't seem to want to do that. They seem like they would rather sit back and just criticize these things he's doing as a dictator. Well, I think, uh, 
Go ahead, Brian. To, to that point specifically, I, I think very specifically the uh, you know debt reform for students that was you know passed that Nancy Pelosi you know two three months ago said they would need congressional approval to do something like this was you know signed into an executive order they just did it and said okay to me that's a campaign promise right that's that's what he said he would do two years ago when he ran and that's what he signed into law so he quote unquote did it but the problem is what do the republicans do to rebuff this they challenge in the courts but it doesn't matter the election is in six weeks four four weeks now what so you the the process isn't allowed to play out anymore right it people are too aware of the important you know time periods in the you know state elections national elections and they play to that i mean there's a reason he put it at this specific time it's close enough to the election that people still remember but far enough out that there's no way this gets struck down in a court before he gets the electoral reward for it. Well, didn't didn't both the did, listen, the Republicans did the same thing when they were in power. The it was the Democrats who were against everything the Republicans did. And the Republicans were trying to push through their own agenda, doing their own executive orders. Now it's reversed, and Biden, the Democrats, they're both exactly the same. And worse is that uh, this spills out into like a, a meanness, like a hate politics, where the focus is on personality. We've talked about this before. Nobody talks about the issues. You just attack the person. And if you can make someone hate somebody enough, you don't have to worry about the issues because you're so hated that, that your issues don't matter anymore. I was watching the news this week when I saw that uh, Barack Obama and uh, Michelle Obama finally got their portrait put up in the White House. But I didn't have a sense that it took that long to get it up. I left believing that they held it off until there was a Democrat in office because they didn't want they hated Trump so much. They didn't want Trump to be the president officiating over the placement of that portrait in the White House. We're, We're talking like, what, six years almost? since he left office five and a half years. So I I think they're both sides are responsible for this and both sides are exploiting it and both sides are blaming each other for the hate politics, but there's no parent. I, you know, I agree. It's both sides. That's the point that I have been trying to make. I will disagree with you though, Ray, on one thing. The Democrats, even when they're out of power, normally have some programs that they are pushing, uh, that they want to try to get passed. And they often campaign on those programs. Whereas the Republicans who, you know, they are simply against, what are they for? Can anybody tell me what they're for? And I'm not saying I'm a Democrat. I'm not saying I'm a Republican. I'm saying a pox on both their houses. We need a third party, or at least we need a legitimate third individual to run for president of the United States so we get out of this name calling. Let me just say here, Donald Trump, just the other day, talking about the, the radical Democrats, okay? They're sick, they're sinister, and evil people who are trying to destroy our country because they hate our country. Now that's a real mature individual speaking like that. Now that, that's Donald Trump. I can go over to the other side and quote something from Joe Biden just as bad, if not worse. And as I say, he started it with talking about 
the Republicans being fascist. Well, yeah, I, if, I agree. If you think about it, though, so there's two types of Americans, right? Uh, in general, you can, you can bunch either people that pay attention to politics at all or people who just completely tune out, right? There's the people that tune out that don't care, that just go through life with the expectation of, you know, whatever I vote for, whoever I vote for, the system is the system. I operate in this system. I'll deal with it. And then there's the other half of people that are, you know, tuned in and looking at what's going on. What percentage and, do you think are tuned in? Um, truly tuned in? Yes. 20% maybe yeah. of American adults. American adults. I'm going to say I, I agree with that about 20, 25%. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's two buckets, right? I think there's like a, a 30% that could care less, do not, do not care a lick about politics. Any, and the second politics are mentioned, their, their ears turn off and they don't want to hear it. And then everything in between is, you know, you know, you know, they belong to a union, they vote with the union, like it, not very, very involved, but like, we'll keep up with like the very top, top level things. Right. And that's the middle ground. And the problem is the people the media are selling to are that 25% that are hyper tuned in. Right. And that they need them to keep coming back day after day so they can sell them ads. And, and what does that mean? They need to keep going up a notch each day because otherwise it gets boring. You tune out, you stop paying attention to it as much. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. I, I spent a lot of time in college listening to podcasts on, you know, daily news, daily updates of like what's going on in the West. And this is during the Trump presidency. So there's, you know, a fire every couple of days to take after. At this point, I frankly don't follow the news anywhere close to where I used to because it, it, it was either a, you know, going five feet farther and going just more ridiculous with it, or it was irrelevant information. There was no in between. There was no, you know, this happened, this is important, and move on. So I think that's really the problem there is like they're incentivized to keep going up a level, to keep those people engaged, engaged. Well, what makes us all worse, I think, is that real issues are being twisted and distorted and are becoming the foundation of the hate. So, for example, you take crime and safety. What they're doing is they're applying their anger to those issues and, and creating terrible legislation. Uh, like last year, they passed this Safety Act in Illinois, which basically eases the burden of accountability and criminal punishment off the backs of criminals and puts a greater burden on police to be more careful about how they deal with the criminals. Can it you just give seems, us some details on it, right? Yeah. Um, for example, um, if you are convicted or you're awaiting trial and you're put on home monitoring um, and you break that home monitoring, normally the police would say, oh, home monitoring is broken. This guy violated the basics of home monitoring. Well, let's go arrest him. Under this new law, it says, hey, you can't touch the guy for 48 hours. In other words, it, it, you give him an opportunity to commit a crime, I think. Um, if you're a, uh, a felony or misdemeanor and you're facing charges you and they want to put you away because they're worried about what you've done, uh, you don't have to put up a cash bail anymore. 
you can be released on your own recognizance. In fact, there's so many of these provisions that, uh, for example, uh, um, if you're uh, involved in, in that cash bail, you don't have to put cash bail up if you've been charged with kidnapping, armed robbery, second degree murder. Um, it's right. like they're basically saying it, that. That's correct. The, yes, that's what the, the law and the reason it, this law was passed in January 2021 in the middle of the night. The reason it's coming up now is most of these provisions were set up to not take effect until after the November 8th election. So when Biden took office, they passed the Safety Act that was pushed by the Black Caucus with the provisions not taking effect until January 2023. And all these things that we're talking about now won't actually start until January 23 after the November elections. There's something wrong with that. And I only use that as an example because it's the craziness of laws like that that are the consequence of this hatred between the two sides and the anger and the failure of both sides to be responsible adults and to act like kids. Where are the adults? Uh, it's like the house is run by the asylum, the crazy, the insane, right? What's the expression? The people in the insane asylum are running the insane asylum now. No doctors, no medical people. That's what America has become. And Bill, what do you think people, and Brian, what do you think people in Russia, China, uh, North Korea, uh, Iran, um, you know, all these other countries, what do you think they're thinking when they look at what's happening in the United States? Brian, you go ahead. Um, I guess there's a couple of things. First, the I don't know how much of national domestic policy makes it abroad. Uh, my argument has always been when whether Democrats or the Republicans make it that, you know, America looks bad on the world stage. America only looks bad on the world stage when we are on the world stage, right? Afghanistan pulling out of there and what happened in Afghanistan looked bad on the world stage. But things that happen inside of America, I'm not really convinced that that has a real outward effect. Because at the same time, look at these other countries. How much do you know about what's actually going on day to day in China, Russia, whatever? You may say, yeah, we're the world leader. But at, at the same time, people don't have time for that. And just like I was arguing before, the number of people that are very, very you know, checked into these things is low. So I, I guess my argument has always been that Yes, it, it matters what we do domestically for the rest of the world. But it matters more because that's what we then do on the world stage rather than things that happen locally, right? One, one example of this, going back to the, the crime situation you had talked about, right, is to me, I, I think there's like these two polling sides of the Democrats and the Republicans where the Democrats for years have said, you know, people in jail for their whole lives for like dealing marijuana when they were like 20, right? Or like these different things from the 1980s uh, war on drugs bills. And these people have had life sentences for like relatively one, nonviolent crimes and two, you know, like very petty kind of low level stuff that we wouldn't even prosecute today and are still in jail. So they say, okay, We've got this industrial complex where, you know, we have all these public jails and these public jails need to be filled so these people can make money. 
and, and they come up with this whole conspiracy where basically the law is made so that we put people in jail so we can make money off of it, which it comes from this root idea that is correct, that we shouldn't be putting people in jail for long periods of time for, you know, smoking weed, right? But then they take it three steps further and then the Democrat or the Republican goes, whoa, 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 now, all right, let's go back two steps. I can agree with you at step one, but then you took it too far. The same thing with well, the Republicans pro- too. The, the problem is that the, that uh, the one side doesn't agree with it. I agree with you that if you commit a minor incident or a minor infraction, you should not be punished your whole life, especially if you've never hurt anybody, you haven't seriously threatened anybody, and there's no likely and there's no real likelihood that you're going to hurt somebody. Um, exactly. So I agree. I, but what they've done is they conflated everything into exactly. one big ball of crime, and they're saying, "Oh my gosh." We have to deal with the injustices by making it easy for the criminals. Um, It's almost like we put a sign out in Cook County that says, hey, if you're going to commit a crime, this is the best place to do it. You'll be able to get away with it and we'll support you. So it's it's very disturbing. Well, I think that we can, you know, reconcile old grievances, old miscarriages of justice and free those people. And I agree you know, many of the people who are incarcerated uh, today, smoking marijuana is perfectly legal in this state. Right. So you can leave those people out. But as it, both of you have said, it just goes too far. But I do not see any reasonable, rational arguments on the part of the Republicans, you know, to, you know, get, get people to understand that these things are going too far. They simply come out and talk about the Democrats, that Democrats are weak on crime, that Democrats support the criminals without explaining things. Now, I think that both of these are overestimating how many people, unfortunately, in this country are interested. I don't think you have 25% of the people that are interested. I put the figure more at maybe 15% maximum, wow. which is a terrible, terrible thing. To have a country as great as this, a democracy like this, and only 15% of the people really are involved in what's going on. And I'll take your, you and Brian, 25%. That's a lot better than 15, but it still is very insufficient for people to be tuned into what is really going on. And American people would resent very much me saying they are allowing the politicians to lead them around by the nose. Well, yeah, how, I, how much has that changed though, is my question. In your guys' estimation, you know, from the 60s to now, I, I assume we all agree that there's probably some downward trajectory on people involved in, you know, active political discussion and that kind of thing, right? What was the number in the 60s, say? What is it in the 80s? And then what is it now? Like, what what is the well, trend? Well, in well you know what? Statement I want to say. I believe in the 60s, we had people who were in politics, who were more honest, who were really interested in the country, who were interested in improving things in the country and not simply mouthpieces for their own party, right? Well, I was gonna say that when you look at voting numbers, um, when let's say you have a thousand people who are qualified to vote, are age to vote, 
um, only 40% of them or 50% of them actually register. And then of that 50%, maybe 30% of that 50% actually votes. So they say, oh, the voter turnout was like 60%, 60% of a small portion of the ones who could vote. Now they've taken that. I mean, you know, we, and then when you take the people who vote, you divide them into two parties. So 10% of a population is pretty much deciding the future for everybody. And people take that and say, that's why we got to allow anybody to vote anytime they want. So they don't have to worry about registration. They just get to cast their vote and we can build up our numbers. The system is flawed. And I think you're right, Brian, that people are just a lot of people that are like tired of this. They're, they're just upset. They don't believe it can be fixed. And we have leaders that are uh, not building confidence in the public, you know, to say that we can't fix it. They don't come up with good ideas to fix it. I, I think it's very troubling. And I, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I don't know who it is. We've asked in past podcasts, who would be a great leader? You know, we even asked our audience, tell us, who do you think should be, you know, the leader to speak up? And I think people are at a loss to to name somebody that they like to say, you know, maybe this person can help fix it. There's no Eisenhower and there's no JFK. There's no Ronald Reagan, you know, these days. Who's going to do it? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know either. That's uh, that's the problem. You know, I know in a democracy, in a republic form of government, you're not supposed to say, you know, that we need strong leaders because uh, we don't want a guy on a horseback, okay? But we need people who are in government to do good for the American people, for America, not simply be mouthpieces for their own party. I know I'm repeating myself, but I think that's the biggest problem. There is too much central control in both parties. People are afraid to speak out. People are afraid to talk about the truth because they're gonna hurt themselves in their own party. So right. here's an idea for a little, from a little while ago. So earmarks went away a couple decades ago. And what that did partially, in my opinion, is it got rid of personal accountability for bringing something back to the district you represent, right? So the question I have is something like that now. We just passed this massive infrastructure bill in the House through the Senate. Biden signed it into law. We're spending, what, one2 trillion dollars over the next 10 years on it. What am I going to see from my congressman that's in my district now? Do they even know? Do we know what is in this bill? The, the way these bills are like laid out is, you know, this for, you know, clean energy, just these broad top level ideas. But I think it's on these representatives to be on them and be like, no, I want this in my district because you need to want something. You the problem is what happens now with these bills is we just want these general ideas for the whole country. And you can't do that. That's too broad. It's too generic. We need these specific goals for specific areas. And that's how you make the progress. Work. And, and All right. You know, the situation on the border, you know, it's, it's just incredible. We don't really have any borders anymore in this country. And unfortunately, the Republicans have really stopped talking about it. The Democrats keep allowing it, and the people just seem to be oblivious to us. I, it, that is, oh, 
I know. Well, that, but no, no, but that's a good example, Bill, of what what we were talking about. That uh, um, this whole problem is pushing aside the issues, so the issues aren't even being focused on. Nobody's looking at the border. Nobody's looking at real ways to improve the safety of citizens. Nobody's looking at how to build the economy. And when we don't look at those issues, it begs the question: What other issues are we not looking at? Our international security as a nation, you know, are we really looking at that? Because how can we look at that when we can't look at any of these others? But I, but I agree. Any final thoughts, Brian? Uh, no, I, I agree. The, the Lightfoot uh, controversy with the border has been interesting to follow as well. And that's just another idea of the, the idea, you know, the, the, the facts getting blurred and, you know, people not actually but, talking about the policy at the end of the day, but that's all a PR stunt to distract from the policies. Anyway, I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski, a fellow American. And I'm Brian Broking. All right, and we'll see everybody next week again, all right? Thank you.